As we go through the message this morning, we're going we're gonna to jump into 1 Corinthians. Um, it is the overarching theme of the Bible. It is the message of the cross. It is the message of who Jesus Christ is and what Jesus Christ has done, who he is today, what he's going to do in the future. The whole message revolves around him. And the, the emphasis upon in any of our circumstances, when we answer a question apart from the message of the cross of Jesus Christ, we are going to be wrong. We're going to be sitting in our own emotions, our own reasoning, our own wisdom, what the culture is telling us, and everything that we do. This is the message this morning. After I finish this sentence, you guys can take your morning nap. The message of the cross the ideas behind it, the hearts behind it, must be answered in every single decision that we make, however big or however small. You want to know how to love your spouse? Answer and abide in and remain in. What is the message of the cross preached to you? Now that you have that truth, now interact with your spouse. Now interact with your children. Now interact with one another in the body of Christ and all of our circumstances and all the change that goes on. All right, so moving forward, we're not going to change anything in June. Come that first Sunday in July, I think it's July 5th, um, but the first Sunday in July, we're going to move the service time to 10 a.m., and that's what we'll stick with going forward. So we backed it up earlier to 9.30 to help keep people away because nobody gets up that early. Uh, but the new service time going forward, starting in a couple of weeks, will be 10 a.m., and that's what we'll keep going forward. For most of July, we're probably going to sit in the same circumstances that we are right now with the Zoom meetings we may have. You know, we'll see what happens with men's breakfast. Julie may do a, a, one of the women's devotions. We'll see what that looks like in July. But then come August is when we'll really open the door back into children's ministry, making sure that we have all of those things in place to love one another in the name of Jesus. Okay? All right, let's get into 1 Corinthians. We are going to cover four chapters this morning to 1 Corinthians. We're really in a study of the book of Acts. Paul has just landed in Corinth. He spends a year and a half in Corinth. So we want to press pause there so that we can understand this relationship between Paul and the Corinthians just to get to know them in regards to the context of Acts. Again, the first four chapters here is covering one line of thought, so we're going to cover the whole thing, and that means that I need to keep my comments to a minimum, otherwise we're going to be here till two, which is all right, we don't have any children's ministry workers, so I can go as long as I want, right? Thank you, Tony. I have Tony's permission. Anybody disagrees with that, beat him up later. <laughs> He's from New York. Watch out, he fights dirty. <laughs> On that note, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we love you tremendously. And I, Lord, I want to give you thanks for the worship this morning. It's awesome to see, you know, just Amber up here filled with the spirit and filled with excitement and joy and just how contagious joy is. As we sit here and we sing these songs and these lyrics, Lord, how often I sit, one of the lyrics just captures me and I just sit there and meditate on it because you're the one that has revealed yourself to give me understanding about what that means. And it gives us joy to, to rejoice in you and to thank you. And as we sing these things, Lord, there's, there's so much meaning for so many of us. And for some of us, Lord, we, you know, we see those lyrics, we see those words and they're, they're empty of definition. That's because we depend upon you, Lord, to, to give us your wisdom, to give us your mind, to give us your heart, to teach us, to instruct us, to grow us, to mature us. So help us, Lord. For those that are here this morning that are just pouring out their hearts in praise, Lord, bless them and meet them right where they are. Lord, for those that are in here this morning that are they're here with questions and they're unsure about who you are and your love, they don't understand the message of the cross. May they, that be clearly communicated through your spirit this morning, Lord, and meet those individuals right where they are. Your word tells us that you dwell in us. 
through faith in Jesus. We believe, Lord, and we trust. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, we're going to jump right in here and cover, uh, read through the first nine verses. It says, Paul, called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God, and Sosthenes, our brother, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all who in every place call on the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, both theirs and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you by Christ Jesus, that you were enriched in everything by him and all utterance and all knowledge even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you come short in no gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will also confirm you to the end, that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, in these first nine verses, I counted the name of Jesus Christ 11 times. As we go through this entire letter through Corinthians, as you go through the the entire Bible, as you go through your life moment by moment, day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, Jesus is the foundation He is the capstone. He is the hedge that we talked about last week. He is there guarding us. It is all about Jesus Christ. And this is what Paul wants to convey to the Corinthians. Because in this letter to the Corinthians, so remember, we're in Acts 18. Paul was there for a year and a half. He comes into this community by himself. He's preaching the gospel there. His brothers, Timothy and Silas, join him. And he's filled with this boldness and preaching that Jesus is the Christ. And there's some contention there with uh, the Jewish leadership. And Paul's, I'm done with teaching in the synagogue. I'm going to go and I'm going to preach to the Gentiles this message. And in that, Jesus reveals to Paul in the vision, Paul, don't be afraid because Paul is fearful in this community. I am with you. And I have many people in this city. And it's not just present tense. Jesus knows that there are many in this community who are going to respond to the gospel. And he's been there for a year and a half. Now fast forward, he's left this city. And he's had some news that's come to him about some issues that they have going on in their congregation. He's written them a letter already, and it was a harsh letter. It was a rebuking letter. And now he's had people come to him again and telling them about the issues that are still going on in this church. And this is this letter that we have. And from the get-go and throughout the entire letter, Paul will continually point every single one of us to Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Paul himself, he is called to be an apostle. As we read through Philippians, he said that he was a bondservant. In, in the two letters to the Thessalonians, it's just, he just gives his name. He doesn't give a title. Here, whenever you see Paul using the, he's called to be, he has been summoned by Jesus to be an apostle, to be an ambassador for Jesus' namesake. He is approaching these people with the authority that Jesus has given to him. And I'm sitting in a stool today because I don't want the image of a pastor banging a pulpit because that's not what Paul is doing. The end of chapter 4, we're going to see this morning, he's saying, I'm not here to shame you. Yeah, we're going to talk about some hard things. Yes, you're off in these areas, but I'm not trying to heap shame upon your head. I'm like a father to you. and You're like my kids. And all I'm trying to do is to warn you That the mind that you have, the decisions that you're making, the division that you have within your community, in the body of Christ, it is not related to the message of the cross of Jesus Christ. Get your hearts right. 
That's his, that's his message, and this is, that's the entire thing that we're going to cover this morning as we read through the rest of these verses. He's addressing division. So how this letter breaks out, the first six chapters, Paul is addressing the conduct that's going on in this congregation. In the remaining chapters, he's addressing a letter that he's received from them, and they have a bunch of questions. He's responding to those questions in that letter. But in this, he begins with this foundation. It is all about Jesus. And I titled this morning's sermon, Summoned Saints, which comes there from verse 2, that we are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints. And it's literally called saints. Jesus himself, the God who created the heavens and the earth, the God who has created us, has called us. He has summoned us. When we talk about a summons, like a legal summons, that our court system has issued you this letter. You have been summoned to come to the courtroom. This is this legal term. He has summoned you. He has called you. He is demanding you to come into his presence. But he has summoned us as saints through faith in him that we are sanctified. This word sanctified and the word saints, you already have been declared and made holy by him. And not just, it's, a, it's not just a historical thing, it's a present tense thing. We're going to see that as we read this morning, that we are being sanctified. He is causing us to be further and further devoted to him day in and day out. And it's a beautiful thing. So, our God, Jesus Christ, has summoned us as saints, as holy ones. I want you to circle in verse 4 this word utterance. Paul giving thanks. Thanks for what? For the grace of God. God has given to each one of us grace by Jesus. He has caused all of us to be wealthy in everything by Jesus. And it says in this, in all utterance, in the words that come out of our mouth are to be sourced in, right? Out of the mouth, well, right? Out of the mouth, the heart speaks. Our heart is to be rooted and grounded in the message of the cross. Again, this word utterance, the message, the words that we're speaking, it's going to come up over and over again. Not only has he given us the words that we speak, he's given us the knowledge, the information that we need about Jesus. And for them, he's, he's again, this, he's talking to brothers and sisters, even though there's some harsh rebukes coming, he's talking to believers. He's talking to those who are saved. The testimony of Jesus in this community, you were already established in him. You are short. You haven't missed any gift. You are eagerly waiting for Jesus to reveal himself from heaven. And not only has he established you, he will establish you blameless, guiltless, shameless in the day that he comes. God is faithful. And he has called us into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Circle that word fellowship. So the words there, utterance, our speech, and this idea of fellowship, this is, this is the message of the cross that we're going to sit in. He has called us all to a relationship with him, to fellowship, to participation, sharing in his life. And it's not just individuals. He's called us together into this idea of fellowship. Now, the issue in the community picks up in verse 10. It says, now I plead with you, brethren. I'm, I'm calling you alongside of myself. Listen, my brothers, my sisters, by the name, invoking the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That you all, here's our word, that you speak, the utterances, speak the same thing. That there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together, put in order in the same mind and in the same judgment. This idea of division, a division, there's a schism. It's this idea that there is a tearing that has occurred. There are factions in the body. This group over here is in one faction. 
You're in another faction. You're in another faction. You're in another faction. And the speech that comes out of your mouth is in opposition to the others. You are elevating your opinion, your understanding over and against the opinions of the other factions. That's what's going on in this division in Corinth. For, verse 11, you've been told on, it has been declared to me concerning you, my brethren, by those of Chloe's household, Chloe tattled on you, that there are contentions, there's discord among you. Now I say this, that each of you says, I'm of Paul or I am of Apollos, or I am of Cephas, or I am of Christ. This is the direct question. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you, or were you baptized in the name of Paul? Paul's bringing it all back to our central focus. Kirk, have you been crucified for me? Who'd you come to the Lord through? Who'd you listen to? Was it Charles Stanley? Whose church did you come through? Who preached the gospel to you? Charles Stanley? He can't hear, he's deaf. It was Charles Stanley, right? All right, I got that straight. Charles Stanley, a man that is known in this community and is known throughout the world preaching the gospel. Kirk responded to the message of the cross through that man's preaching. Did Charles Stanley die for Kirk? No. Does Charles Stanley hold a special place in Kirk's life? I bet so. Same thing with Paul. Paul came to this community and he preached the gospel. Is Paul important to a lot of people in this community? Yeah, he is. Are people willing to go to, go to some verbal, verbal arguments and support of Paul? You bet. Well, Apollos, there's this other guy. We're going to meet him later on when we get back into Acts He's, a, he's like the hip, cool guy. He's got the man bun on his head, and he's got his skinny toga on, and he shows up in Corinth, and this guy is eloquent in speech. Paul, Paul we're told, like, Paul's physical appearance was like, dude, that's, that's Paul? Like, seriously, his, his letters are heavy and weighty, and then they see him personally. It's like, nothing becoming about the guy. He's going to tell us in a minute that he was in their midst in sickness. So here's this guy with his eyes drooling because he's got some kind of eye disease in their midst in fear and trembling and in sickness and he's preaching the gospel of Jesus. And guess what? People are getting saved because there's no show. The Holy Spirit is demonstrating himself, giving testimony and evidence to the truth of the message of the cross that Paul is preaching. Well, Paul hangs out there for a year and a half and he leaves. And he meets Apollos in in Ephesus. And Apollos ends up going to Corinth and he shows up with letters of recommendation. And all of a sudden, the young, eloquent, good-looking, I mean, I'm going to add a whole bunch of descriptions to him. But it says, we're told in Acts, that when he came to the church in Corinth, he helped his brothers and sisters mightily in the message of the cross. He strengthened them and he helped them. And now there's some in the community that are saying, that Paul guy, man, I didn't understand a single word he said, but Apollos, I get it. Paul's an idiot. Apollos, you're awesome. I'm of Apollos. Again, bring this into modern context. How many of you have participated in another denomination other than a non-denominational church like Calvary Chapel? Who's participated in another denomination? These are the schisms that we're talking about. Those divisions in denominations, they occur because of divisions of opinion. Well, I'm of Charles Wesley. Well, I'm of Martin Luther. Well, I'm of the Pope. And go on down through the list of the arguments that we have. I'm of Charles Stanley. Well, I'm of Andy Stanley. I'm of Smith. Well, which Smith? Joseph Smith or Chuck Smith? Got to clarify that one, right? But we get into, we get into f- verbal fistfights of I want nothing to do with you because you adhere to the teaching of that man or that woman. Did those people die for you, yes or no? No, they did not. All they are is a messenger. And if they're preaching a message that is absent of the message of the cross, they've missed 
And if we are holding on to anybody else's opinion other than the message of the cross, we've missed. And this is the rest of the argument, and we'll pick up speed as we go through this. Jesus is not divided. He is one. We have one God, Father, Son, and Spirit. He has summoned us out of this world to himself, to his kingdom. It is one kingdom. Jesus is not divided. Nobody else was crucified for you. Jesus was. And his sacrifice was sufficient to give you the gift of eternal life. And you were baptized into him. You were not immersed into a doctrine or to a teaching or to a church or to an opinion. You were baptized into Jesus. Verse 14, I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, lest anyone should say that I baptized in my own name. Yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanus. Besides, I don't know whether I baptized any other. For Christ did not send me to baptize but to preach the gospel. Look at this. Not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. And this is the, this is the root of the divisions that are going on there. People are speaking man's words and man's wisdom according to their own logic, according to their own reasoning, and they are causing the cross of Jesus Christ to have no effect in the lives of their brothers and sisters. And Paul's testimony, I came to you not to do anything else other than to preach the gospel, not with all these um, fleshly arguments, but to preach the gospel in truth because I want the cross to have an effect in your life. Verse 18 this is a theme verse for our congregation at the Calvary in Salt Lake. The message of the cross, it's foolishness, it's absurd, it's ridiculous to those who are perishing. But to, to us who are being saved, it is the achieving power of God. And this, again, I had you circle the word utterance up above. Paul in verse 10 saying that I desire you, I'm pleading to, with you by the name of Jesus Christ that you speak the same thing coming down here, linking everything that's being conveyed, the message, the utterance, the speech that we are to convey. It is the message of the cross. And to those of us who are being saved in that process, it is the achieving power of God in our lives in every circumstance. To those who are perishing, to those who have rejected who Jesus Christ is and the message, the message of the cross, it is absurd and ridiculous. Verse 19, for it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. And again, this is the worldly wisdom. And bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Verse 20, where's the wise? Where's the wise guys? Where's the scribe? Where's all the authors? Literally would be, uh, go step into Barnes and Noble in the self-help section. Where are all the authors? Where's the disputer, the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish, literally, caused the taste to be lost has God not made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God. Through man's ways, man figuring it all out, it's impossible. Please God, through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believed. For the Jews request a sign, they request a miracle. And the Greeks, they seek after wisdom. But... We preach Christ crucified. The message of the cross. To the Jews, it's a stumbling block. It's offensive. To the Greeks, foolishness. Absurd. Absolutely ridiculous. But to those who are called, to those who are summoned, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. 
For you see your calling, literally consider. I want you to consider the invitation You've been invited into his presence. And that's this word calling here. It's you've been invited to the meal. You've been invited to the party. You've been invited to where he is, to experience him. Consider your calling, brethren. Not many. There's not a multitude of wise, according to the flesh. There's not many mighty, not many noble are called. But... God has chosen, he selected the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. The base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things that are not, to bring to nothing, to abolish the things that are. The purpose, the reason why, verse 29, yeah, verse 29, that no flesh should glory in his presence but of him you are in Christ Jesus who became for us the wisdom of God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption that as it is written he who glories let him glory in the Lord this is this is the thrust there are those in the community that are speaking, they're uttering messages and traditions and ideas and wisdom and logic and reason that people are believing and understanding that are, in essence, they are elevating man, they are boasting in man rather than boasting in the Lord. And the the result of Paul's conversation here, his instruction, brothers and sisters, there is not a single one of us Not a single one of us has any reason for, any justification to elevate ourselves over and against another believer in Christ. Zero. No flesh. Do not allow yourself to elevate yourself over and against your brothers and sisters in Christ. That needs to be said because I do it all the time and you do it all the time. Because you have your perspective and your perspective is right and you figured it out through your wisdom. Until you've submitted that opinion to the message of the cross, stay silent. Lord, preach to me the message of the cross. Let me understand who it is that you are and what it is that you have done. And when I understand that, Lord, now give to me your mind as I process this difficult relationship and this difficult circumstance that's going on. No flesh should glory. Of our God, we are in Christ Jesus. Jesus is our everything. He is our wisdom. He is our righteousness. He is our sanctification. He is our redemption. Go on down through all the lists. He's our savior. He's our friend. He's our healer. He's our provider. He is everything. The message of the cross preaches all that he is to us. And you who boast... Take all of your boasting and boast in Jesus. Chapter 2, and I, brethren, when I came to you, I didn't come with excellence, with superior speech or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you, here's that thing, I was with you in weakness and sickness and fear and in much trembling. Kind of gives you a real picture of, of who Paul was as a man in this community. And my speech, the words that were coming out of my mouth, my preaching, they were not with persuasive words of human wisdom. But in demonstration, with proof, with evidence, with verification of the spirits and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Reminding them of that and reminding us of that. And I, this is what I pray for. Lord, may my life demonstrate the power of your spirit. May my life demonstrate the power of the cross. 
that I'm not who I was, that you have changed me and transforming me, transformed me, that you are transforming me, that you are causing me to be holy, that you are my provider. Lord, in the circumstances that I run along in life, Lord, may they see you in me and through me. That in, in, in whatever it is, Lord, that, um, then it, would it be the world's logic or the enemies or my own flesh that the words that I'm speaking, but may everything be sourced in your power and in your spirit. My faith is not in the arguments of men. My faith is in the demonstrated power of God in my own life. I am not who I used to be. And Holy Spirit, may you reveal yourself to me and through me. Holy Spirit, through each one of the men and women and kids in this room, Owen and Micah, watching them worship this morning. Amber, did you see them? As you're up there in joy, those two young men right there clapping along, praising the Lord. Holy Spirit revealing himself to me through babes. May God demonstrate his power his sanctifying power, his saving power, his miraculous power, his healing, his wonders. We're gonna get eventually into all the gifts that the Holy Spirit pours out in accordance with his will. May those things be manifested in our midst so that our faith would never be in anything of man but always in the power of God. However, Blake's got to pick up speed. Verse six, however, we speak wisdom among those who are mature. So again, it's not that he's sitting there like just drooling and being a dunce and, and not saying anything. He's speaking with wisdom. But again, it's according to the wisdom of God, not according to the wisdom of man. We speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, something that was hidden the hidden wisdom of God, ordained before the ages for our glory, for our brightness, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would have not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, eye is not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. Again, the Holy Spirit is one who's teaching us and speaking to us, giving his mind. The spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of man which is in him. Nobody knows your thoughts and you except you. So that, even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Why? Because the Spirit of God is not a thing or an it. The Spirit of God is a he. He is a person, the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit. Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now, we have received, we have taken hold, not of the Spirit of the world, but of the Spirit who is from God. That... We might know the things which have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches. Comparing, literally judging together spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. And again, this is the idea of uh, Jesus telling us that we must be born again. We must be born from above. We must be born of the Spirit. Our natural man, our logic, our reasoning, you listen to the arguments of the world, regardless of what the, the discussion is, it is impossible for man to know God. God must reveal himself to us for us to know him through his spirit. He is the one who is teaching us and revealing to us his mind and his heart and the truth of the message of the cross. But the natural man does not receive the things of the spirit of God for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things. Yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But 
We have the mind of Christ. Every believer, you have the mind of Jesus. And may he dominate, may that mind dominate our minds. Chapter 3, and I, brethren, cannot speak to you as to spiritual, but as to carnal, literally fleshly, as to babes, infants in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food. For until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you are still not able. For you were still carnal. For where there is envy, jealousy, where there is strife, contentions, where there are divisions and dissensions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? For when one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not still carnal? Hope you all hear this. The heart of God, the message of the cross out of this. This is a, this, I need to hear this. It's so easy to lock into man's arguments. Verse 5. Who then is Paul and who is Apollos? The ministers through whom you believed, as the Lord gave to each one. I planted, Apollos watered. God, God is the one who gave the increase. God is the one who saved you. He used me to speak to you. He used Apollos to come and, and to water that word and to, to encourage and strengthen you. But God is the one who has saved you. God is the one who is producing his fruit in your life. It's his holiness that he is sanctifying you in. So then, neither he who plants is anything nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one. Paul and Apollos were one. And each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. According to the grace of God which was given to me as a wise master builder, I laid the foundation and another builds on it. Here's the imperative, the command, but let each one take heed how he builds on it. And look, this has everything to do with our speech. Take heed in the words that are coming in your, out of your mouth as you attempt to build the body of Christ. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which was laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear, visible, plain on the day, plain for the day. This is Jesus' day. When he comes back, the day will reveal it, declare it. Because it will be revealed by fire, the imagery of the refiner's fire. And the fire will, uh, will test. It will learn the genuineness of each one's work, of what kind it is. If anyone's work, which he has built on it, endures, it remains, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, consumed, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved, yet so is through fire. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and the spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles, literally destroys the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy which temple all y'all are. This argument is taking heed to the words that come out of our mouth. You think that you're building a church, building a congregation, building a following, building followers of Jesus Christ. Take heed to those words that come out of your mouth. Make sure that you're not elevating any other message over and against the message of the cross. Make sure that you're not spreading division because you may think that you have an awesome, flourishing ministry in this world and when Jesus comes, it's all just gonna burn away. Why? Because there's nothing there. Jesus was never there in that content. That ministry, that service, that work was just all man stuff. What remains when Jesus comes back, is Jesus stuff. And what is Jesus stuff? It's men and women who have responded to the summons of Jesus. That's it. You want to build on the foundation of Jesus? It is being just like Paul going into your home and into your community and telling other people to go to Jesus. 
through the message of the cross. It's not come to church. It's not come and do this activity. It's summoning people to Jesus and to Jesus alone. And you can go out there and do all the greatest works possible that are all good and that ought to be done. You can go eliminate poverty in this world. And if you don't give them Jesus, if you don't bring them to Jesus, their end is still perishing. It's the message of the cross and the cross alone. You are the temple of God because through faith in Jesus, through his work on the cross, through his resurrection, The spirit of God dwells in you. Verse 18, let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you seems to be wise, if you think that you're wise in this age, you know what? Become a fool that you may become wise. All your thoughts, your reasons, your perspective, your ideas, lose it all in the name of Jesus so that Jesus can teach you and instruct you and cause you to be truly wise with his wisdom. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, he catches the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. Therefore, let no one boast in men. Don't boast in Paul, don't boast in Luther, don't boast in Wesley, don't boast in the Pope, don't boast in Chuck Smith, don't boast in men. Why? Brothers and sisters, all things are already yours. Whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come, all are yours. Why? Because through responding to who Jesus Christ is, through the message of the cross, you are now a co-heir with Jesus. And everything is Jesus. And that finishes the sentence, you are Christ and Christ is God's. Let a man so consider us as servants of God, under rowers, as stewards, as administrators of the mysteries of God. Yes, we're here serving a purpose, but we're servants of Christ. Moreover, it is required, it's sought for in stewards that one be found faithful. But with me, it's a very small thing that I should be judged, examined by you or by a human court. In fact, I don't even judge myself. This is a clear conscience right here, verse 4. For I know of nothing against myself. And I'm not justified in this. I'm not made righteous by this. For he who judges me is the Lord. Therefore, conclusion, judge nothing before it's time until the Lord comes, who will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels, the plans, the motives of the hearts. Then each one's praise will come from God. Paul turns to some irony here in a minute. Verse 6, now these things, brethren, I have figuratively transferred. I've transformed these ideas to myself and to Apollos for your sakes. That you may learn in us not to think beyond what is written. Not to have an attitude beyond what is written in the word. That none of you may be puffed up, arrogant, on behalf of one against another. For who makes you differ from one another? What do you have that you did not receive? I love this. In the body of Christ, we're told there's no distinction. It's not man, there's not woman, there's not Jew, there's not Gentile, there's not slave, there's not free. We are all one. There's no distinction between your brothers and sisters in Christ in this room. We're all individuals, but in the body of Christ, there's no distinction. So why do we preach Distinctions. What do you have that you didn't receive? Answer, nothing. Now, if you did indeed receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? Here's where the irony is. You are already full. You're already satisfied. You're already rich. You have reigned as kings without us. And indeed, I wish you did reign, that we also might reign with you. Because when Jesus comes back, we're all going to rule and reign together, right? And Paul's correcting their attitudes. For I think 
that God has displayed us, publicly exhibited the apostles last, as men condemned to death. For we have been made a spectacle, a theater to the world, both to angels and to men. We are fools for Jesus Christ's sake. But you were wise in Christ. We're weak, but you're strong. You are distinguished, you're honored, but we're dishonored. To the present hour, we both hunger and thirst. We are poorly clothed and beaten and homeless. We labor, working with our own hands. Being reviled, we bless. Being persecuted, we endure. Being defamed, we entreat. We have been made as the filth of the world, the offscouring of all things until now. Now, I don't write these things to shame you, but as my beloved children, I warn you. For though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you, imitate me. And look at the contrast that he just used between how they're displaying themselves in the community and what they're boasting in, in contrast to the life that Paul is living. Imitate me. For this reason, I've sent Timothy to you, who's my beloved and faithful son in the Lord. It's going to remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach everyone, well, everywhere in every church. Verse 18. Now, there's some, you're puffed up, you're arrogant, you're proud. You're uttering these things as though I were not coming to you. But I will come to you shortly if the Lord wills. And I will know, not the word of those who are puffed up, but the power. Let me see Jesus in you. Why? For the kingdom of God is not in word but in power. What do you want? Shall I come to you with a rod or in love and a spirit of gentleness? So again, these first four chapters dealing with the centrality of the message of the gospel of Jesus, what it says, what it means, and how it is standing in contrast to the divisions that are going on in that particular church and that community. And we can, again, we can apply this very quickly in our own culture. There's all kinds of divisions out there. There are all kinds of voices and opinions, whether it's COVID, whether it's racism, whether it's politics. You have been summoned by Jesus to him. You have been summoned out of the kingdoms of this world and ultimately the kingdom of the devil into his kingdom. And being summoned into that relationship, we were summoned through the message of the cross. That our God is the one who has created us. That this world, he knew, was going to be broken through sin. And because he created us to be in relationship with him, to be one with him, he himself stooped from his glory, from his throne, and became just like us in this flesh, tabernacled in this flesh, and submitted himself to this violent death on the cross, despising that shame, but endured it, remained in it, drank the full cup of God's wrath for all sin, all time, every single human being, yourself included. That is the death that he died for you. Worship team, come on up. And this is what communion is. Communion is for us, as often as we gather together, is to remember the message of the cross. It's to remember that our God tabernacled in this flesh. We remember his body that he gave for us for the remission, for the complete removal and wiping away of all sin. And it's that message that we first enter into that relationship with Jesus 
He uses that message to summon us into his presence. And he uses that message to keep us in his presence. And he tells us, as often as you gather together, remember the message of the cross. Remember my body and remember my blood. Why? Because you're going to forget. You're going to walk into your perspective, your wisdom, your logic, your reason. The enemy is sitting there chattering away in your life right now. This world has a thousand messages that it would rather have you believe in opposition to the message of the cross. And again, it is so simple. The message of the cross, you need to preach that message to yourself before every human interaction that you have. When you wake up in the morning, why are you here? Why do you exist? The message of the cross answers that. Are you depressed? The message of the cross is what will lift you out of that depression. Do you have worry and fear? The message of the cross will free you from fear because his perfect love casts out all fear. Are you in total trepidation with what's going on in this world right now, in our culture, in our community? The message of the cross is the answer to what's going on. And we need to be sure that when we think, as we're processing through the news that we filter through every day, may the message of the cross be our foundation. As we think, as we speak, as we act. Jesus, for every single one of us, we are asking that you would reveal to us fully, Lord, the height and width and length and depth of that message. That as we pour forth praises to you right now in gratitude of who you are and of what you've done. That the message of the cross would dominate our praise. That as we take communion together as brothers and sisters. That the message of the cross would be known and understood. You and you alone, Jesus, you're our rock, you're our foundation, you're our everything. We are so grateful for the message. Thank you for the joy that comes flooding in, the stability that comes flooding in, the understanding. Thank you for giving us your mind. Lord, I'm thankful for how patient you have been and are with me. Thank you for that daily reminder to take up my cross in light of the message of the cross and to follow you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.